Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome again. We're glad to have you with us. This podcast is produced weekly by the Christ Life Fellowship. Be sure and check us out, christ-life.org. Warren Litzman is in the middle of a great series for us. It's the Gospel of Deliverance. It's been so interesting and so wonderful to learn more and dig deeper into these messages. And now we're going to bring on part number three. Here's Warren. Well, once again, if you got a Bible, turn to Galatians 2.20. You see, Galatians 2.20 has been in the Bible since it was written, since Paul's day. And most people don't believe it. So that's the big trouble with, with the Bible. People don't believe it. They don't uh, get their minds fixed to believe. You see, you have to fix your mind. You have to want to do what is right badly enough that it hurts you. The reason for that is you were misused. We were all misused when we were in sin. So misused that it's hard for our minds to get straightened out. The Apostle Paul, when he began to deal with what a human being was, centered the whole of his message to the mind. He used four words, more than any other four words, and they're all mind words. Words, wisdom, understanding, revelation, and knowledge. Because if you're going to be saved by something Jesus did... And Christ is going to be put in you to cause you to stand perfect before God, then where's the problem? Problems in our thinking. We either don't know that, or we don't want to know that, or we know so little of it, it doesn't work right. Our whole problem is in knowing. If there is anything you could do to make you a better person, Christ died in vain. It's not a finished work. Your life outside of Christ died. That part of you that was joined to sin died. It quit. It was done perfectly at the cross. But it doesn't take in everybody unless they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Paul, one of the most important things Paul ever said was in the 16th chapter of Acts, where the jailhouse doors had been knocked off and all the convicts were running around loose in the yard and the jailer fell at Paul's feet and cried, What must I do to be saved? And Paul said for the first time something that belonged only to the new creation, the born-again believer. He said, all you need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And even your whole household can be saved by simply believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that had never been said in the Bible before. 
when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he got up and said, Repent, believe, be baptized, and you'll receive the Holy Ghost. Well, that's a lot of things to do, isn't it? But you see, that's under the law. Under the law, you had to do certain things, and the more you did, I guess they figured the better you were saved. But in grace, you can't do anything to be saved except believe. Believe. I believe every one of you at one time or another have probably believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. But the problem is in your soulish part because your soulish part didn't follow along that quickly. Why? That's where you make choices. That's where the mind is involved. And as long as the mind is involved, unless it is tutored and trained properly, it's going to mislead you. The mind. And so for that reason, Paul had three prominent scriptures that dealt with the mind. Like in one of them he said, let or allow this mind to be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Well, why would he make a statement like that? Because Christ's Spirit is in you. That's what salvation is. Christ has been joined to you. So Paul said, he's there. If you don't give him a mind, he's mindless. You understand that? Christ in you is mindless unless you give him a mind. He's there, but he can't get out of you until you give him a mind. And in another place he said, uh, but you have the mind of Christ. And in another place he said, be not taken up with the world, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He kept coming back to the mind always. And, and I don't know, you all been through Romans 7, I guess, here. He ended Romans 7 in the last verses by saying that your problem's in your mind. With your mind. Why did he keep coming back to the mind? Because that's where you show your love affair to the Christ that's in you. Now notice, I didn't say that's where you show that you're going to live the Christian life. Or where you except what God's done for you. That isn't it. What we do in our soulish part is where the love affair is. All the choices you make in life have to do with a love affair. It's a love affair. If Christ is already in you, and you don't live the life, and you don't make it work, it doesn't all fit together properly for you, the problem is a love affair. Jesus of Nazareth became exasperated one day. And so he said to the disciples, Do you love me more than you do these things? I don't know what all the things were, but he said, Don't you love me more than these things? The whole Christian life comes down to an issue of love. Now you have Christ in you. The question is, how much do you love Him? Love Him more than things? Love Him more than I love me? It's a love affair. 
Maybe you've been beating yourself over the head because you couldn't live it. That's not the real issue. The real issue is love. Love is your power. Well, once you get your mind straightened out, then you make the right choices. You've heard all this before probably, but you know what life is. Life is nothing but a series of choices that you have to live out. That's all it is. It's you living out your choices. But if you don't separate soul and spirit, then your choices are going to sink you. They're going to keep you in disillusionment all the time. Because we make bad choices. But if you know that Christ has come into you and that He lives in you on God's part because of what happened at the cross... Then you're going to start making the right choices because that's a love affair. Does God love our sin? No. Does God love us when we go wrong? Yes. Because God doesn't love you because of what you do or don't do. God loves you because of what Jesus did as you. So you see, what is that? Is that a great emotional thing? No, that's a mind thing. You get that fixed in your mind. Then is when you begin to control your soulish part, your body and your soul. You begin to control what is self. When Jesus began to give all this information to the Apostle Paul, I can imagine he began to jot down these things. He was rooted and grounded in Old Testament law. He knew all the prophets of old, knew their writings. He was a scholar. In fact, Paul is the most educated man in the Bible. He had more secular education than anybody we've record of in the Scriptures. He just knew a lot of things. He had the equivalency of two doctorate degrees. He's very well trained. But when Jesus began to talk to him about what life was and what a human was, he felt very small. And he knew he had to get his mind straightened out. And he gives us a portion of Scripture where he does that. And sometimes when you think you can go no further, you need to go to this portion of Scripture. It's the third chapter of Philippians. Because your problem is going to always be you. How you handle you and how you think about you. So in Philippians 3, he begins by listing off all the things he is. Comes from a rich family, highest education, Hebrew of the Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin. He just names off all these things that made him an elite Jewish rabbi. He was a lawyer too. But further on down, 
He says, I have suffered the loss of all of these things for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my life. How do you throw out all these things that's made you you? How do you get rid of them? Well, in Paul's message, the basis of everything was the in Christ position. And one of the most prominent verses is 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, where he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, and old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Well, you can see that's the zenith. That's the hardest place to come to. I know very few Christians that have come to that place because they're all wrestling with things that are in their mind. Their mind is killing them. Their mind is driving them. And I'm an old-fashioned believer now, after many years, that you can have a new mind. You can think differently. You can make the right choices. It's going to hurt. I'm often telling people, I, I deal mostly with religious people, and they don't think they can change from their erroneous doctrines to Christ being their all. And I say, sure, you can do it. It's going to hurt you. You're going to suffer. Why? Because you're giving up who you think I am. See, that's all in your mind, who you think you are. That's why Paul in Philippians 3 said, I suffer the loss of all those things. Why, Paul? Because that's who I thought I was. But I'm not that person if Christ is my life. That's not who I am. I'm a whole different person now. If I get my mind straightened out. If I know I'm in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And old things pass away and behold, all things become new. Do you see it? It's the way you think. But if all your life you have been led to think erroneously, it's hard to make the change. I don't have the mind problem many of you have. Mine's probably a very small problem, but to me it was huge because when I came to this message, I had to give up the religion that I had been a part of and had been preaching and teaching for 13 years. Because the Spirit let me know that God didn't need anything I had ever been a part of or had done. I had a new life in Christ. Start at zero and grow. You think that was hard? It was for me. The Lord helped me along. I was counseling a, I was counseling a fellow that was, uh, well, he was a drunk. And he got mad at me over something I said on a Saturday night and came by my church where I pastored and threw three bottle bombs inside the church. Broke the window and threw them in there. He was so mad at me. But you know what he did? He burned up my office. And everything I knew was in that office. I had 13 years of literature and books and, and notes 
things I couldn't, I wouldn't let anybody even go in there. It's so sacred. That's the way the Lord helped me. Sometimes He brings you to an impossible place where you say, okay, I'll start over. What you start over in is in your thinking. And so I started over in my thinking and got different books and made new notes because I began to see Christ as life. Your mind is where the tricks are played on you because you can't trust it. can't trust what you think. And all the enemies against you work on your mind. So the Apostle Paul knew that for a human being to carry on with this new way of living, they were going to have to deal with the mind. They were saved. You're going to go to heaven. You won't go to hell. You're saved. But you're going to have to deal with the mind because the mind is what gives release to expression. The mind is the point from which the witness of Christ in you comes. The mind is where the choices are made. And God knows we've all made enough bad choices. We don't need any new ones. But the mind is a key. So you may have to suffer the loss of who you think you are. Remember, your mind has conjured up an idea of who you are, self-identification. Who you think you are. People say to me, well, I don't think I could do that. I said, are you sure about that? That may not be who you are at all. Well, I've always done wrong. I don't know what I can do any better. That may not be you at all. That's something you worked out in your mind. You within yourself can do nothing, and your mind is the government for the self-life. Christ in you has a whole other government. Paul put it this way in one verse when he said, we have been translated into the kingdom or into the government of his dear son. That's what happened when you got saved. You were put in a whole other life by God. What's God dealing with you in now? He's dealing to try to bring together your soulish part to what He has already done for you in grace. He's trying to get the two together. But now you've got to know what it is you really are. And that's why I ask you to turn to Galatians 2.20. That's one of our most popular verses in the Christ life. Because it defines it so easily. I'm crucified. I'm killed out. I am canceled. When you got saved, that happened to you automatically to God. And I guess the picture I'd like to paint in your mind is how God looks at you. You ever given that any thought? How does He look at you? If you come up in negative religion where you think, oh, God saw me do this. He must hate me. He's going to send me to hell. I shouldn't have done that. If that's the way you think God looks at you, now that you accepted Christ, you need to get your mind straightened out. Because when God looks at you, 
He sees you as his offspring. He sees what you were was killed out. Was crucified with Christ. See, if you can get that in your mind, it'll really help you. Because what you were was crucified by Christ. I'm crucified. That's not what I am anymore. But I don't know my new life. So that's where your intent and your love affair must be to begin to learn this new life in Christ. It's available, sitting right there, waiting for you. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm killed out. But I still live. I still live. But it isn't me, the old me, the person that got crucified. That's not the person that lives. The new me is Christ. How'd that happen? Christ was joined to you. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So Christ has been joined to you, and you're one. You're one. You're not two anymore. You're one. You see, these are the thoughts that begin the change of the mind. I'm one with Christ. I'm not one with the devil. I was one with the devil once, but I'm not one with the devil now. I was one with people, certain people. I'm not one with them anymore. I'm one with Christ. I no longer live. That old way of thinking is gone. My new way of thinking is Christ is my life. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, Christ liveth in me. Now, when you get that fixed in your mind, it helps you. That's why that's such a powerful verse. That helps you. That takes you into a whole new realm of understanding about God. Once you get that fixed in your mind, then the latter part of that verse can be the most blessed thing that ever happened to you because the latter part of the verse says, and the life I now live in my flesh, body and soul. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Why? He's my life. He's my life. Not me is life. He is my life. See, that's the thing you get fixed in your mind. He's my life. And if He's my life, then these are His hands. These are His eyes. These are His ears. These are His feet. It's Him operating through me. Because I was created in the first place in the likeness and image of God so that Christ could operate through me. Now, I've accepted Christ and He's able to operate through me. I've got to get that fixed in my mind. Once that's fixed in my mind, I no longer live. Christ liveth in me. Then everything I do can be Christ. That's the ultimate of Christian living. In fact, that's what a Christian is. You get to the place to where everything you do is Christ. Me coming to Tahoe is Christ as me. Me sitting here talking to you is Christ as me. I have no life of my own. Oh, I do things on my own and, and He lets me live in this world and I function in it. But whatever I do, I know it's not I that lives. It's Christ that lives. So when it comes to the issue of faith, I have no faith. I have no faith. I used to have faith. I used to be what they call a faith preacher. I tell everybody they'd get enough faith, they'd be rich, they'd never die, they'd have good things. You can hear them on the radio all the time. I used to be one of those. 
But when my mind changed and Christ became my life, then the life I now live in this flesh, body and soul, I live by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, He's the believer. He's the believer in me. He's, if He's the life in me, then He is the faith in me. He's the good in me. He's the best of me. He's the all of me. Christ. A change of your mind that brings that will help you as much as anything I could ever say because that brings you to the place to where you're trying, your work at it is taken over by Him. We'll stop here, but we sure hope you've enjoyed this great study into the gospel of deliverance. We'll uh, pick up where we left off next week. Warren Litzman, one of the best teachers ever, and we're so thankful that he was able to leave this and many other sermons and lessons behind. Now, you can find a lot of this, most of it, through Warren's books and videos and tapes that are available on our website. Go to Christ-Life.org, Christ-Life.org. There you'll want to read about us and what we talk about, what we mean when we talk about the Christ life. And then you can go to our bookstore and find these great teachings there for your own library. Check it out. We'd like to thank Robbie Litzman for always allowing us to go into the archives each week to bring you these great messages. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock, she does our weekly podcast notes, and Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship is our wonderful producer each week. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.